When it comes to self-development, no matter the method you use, the vital point is to practice. If you want to learn methods to transform your life and actively grow into the potential you know is inside of you, then you're in the right place. Welcome to The Vital Point. I'm your host, Jonathan Schechter. I'm a psychedelic integration and transformation coach and breathwork facilitator, as well as an enthusiast of personal growth. You have the capacity to evolve and bring your intentions and dreams into the world. And there's never been more access to so many incredible modalities that can help you on your journey. This podcast will help you learn about new methods to bring into your life, give you practices to follow, and share stories from practitioners who are doing the work so that you can feel inspired to go and practice because that's the vital point. If you're enjoying the podcast, I'd really appreciate you leaving a review and subscribing on whatever platform you're listening to right now. This is still a new podcast and I'm committed to growing so that more people can learn and feel inspired to go and try something that will literally change their life. Your help is really appreciated. So thank you for supporting the show. On this episode, I get into a great conversation with internal family systems therapist, Justin Martin. Internal family systems or IFS is a powerful method for change, especially with deep parts of the shadow and areas of the personality that are challenging to integrate. As an IFS therapist, Justin was a great help in explaining what IFS is and how it works. We also discussed different parts of the self that can be challenging and the role that these parts have inside of us, how IFS can help men and the courage that it takes to open up and be vulnerable, the power of bringing curiosity into the process of transformational practice and therapy, and when it can be more important to feel than to think. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. My guest is Justin Martin. He's known as Parts of Me Therapy here on Instagram. And he is a very cool uh, internal family systems, uh, aka parts work. Um, would you describe yourself as a therapist or a coach? Oh, you know, that's funny. I, I, I've been battling parts of me myself with that. Like, what do I call myself? You know, technically, I, I am a therapist in the state of Florida. Um, but that's not just all of me. You know, I like... I think it's very easy for us therapists to get like, oh, this is my identity. And I'm just now kind of coming to grips that, you know, um, that's just a part of me. But mm. that is that is when most people look me up, they're like, oh, yeah, I have a therapist. So that's the technicalities behind my name. But, yeah, good question. <laughs> I like that, though, you know. So, so I think what I'm hearing you say is that the – the labels that we that we put on each other and ourselves are just parts of us as well and not necessarily like a defined um, concrete identity right right exactly yeah i i would i would say that's that's the case yeah is there parts of me that were like you know i, I don't know if i want to be a quote-unquote therapist my whole life um i i enjoy being a, a therapist but there's there's some things about that label that that aren't always fantastic, you know? Um, mm. And, and so, yeah, I ask me in a year what I'll call myself and I might have a different answer. I don't know. 
<laughs> so it's something I'm, I'm internally working out. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that, though, you know, just remembering that, um, you know, the label isn't, uh, especially here on Instagram, right, like, or social media, where people are sort of showing, to a certain extent, sometimes like the highlight reels of their life, or putting, presenting things within a certain frame. And it's not necessarily like the reality or, you know, what their life is like when they turn off their phone or their camera. Um, Sure. So just, you know, that the reminder that the the labels that we place on things aren't um, actual reality, um, independent of, you know, anything else. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And you can still help people, whether you have that label of, you know, being a therapist or a coach or, or whatever. Right. I think the the intention is is more important. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I've noticed, too, on the Instagram space, right, like there's a we could talk about what this word means in IFS, but there's a polarization sometimes between therapists and coaches, right? Like, hmm. and, and I kind of see both sides to it. For me personally, it's just my opinion. Like whether you, you have the, like, it's important to have the training, right? But, but that being said, like, if you can help people, you can help people. And so, hmm. um, I, yeah, I, I have parts on both sides of that, right? Like I get the the battle between coaching and therapy and what fits for what and what doesn't fit for, for what, but, um, you know, it's a nuanced discussion for sure. Um, but I, I don't take the belief that only therapists can help people or that only coaches can help people. Cause I think that that just takes me away from curiosity. Right. Mm. So, but yeah. Anyways, that's a discussion. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's a it's a cool way to to get into the discussion. Um, yeah. So I came upon your account through the Ordinary Sacred, who's another okay. uh, IFS yeah, uh, you know practitioner here um, on Instagram, and sure. um, you know I I had her on a while ago and was like. I don't know how this is going to go for my audience. You know, like I think mm-hmm. a lot of people that are following my page are doing work with psychedelics, um, exploring sure. the deeper end of breath work um, into, sure. you know, transformation. But within my circle of friends and, you know, sort of peers, we talk about IFS a lot and how it comes mm-hmm. up in the psychedelic space and how sure. um, being able to, use the parts framework to um, process and integrate some of our experiences, like how Mm -hmm. that's been so helpful. And, you know, for me personally, um, like I I work with a somatic experiencing practitioner that Mm -hmm. um, has somehow like sort of folded IFS into how she helps me and how we process a lot of things. And that's how I kind of came to, um, to learn about IFS. And it's just been so, so helpful to me personally. And I always recommend it to people, especially like when they're kind of starting off on the path and trying to figure stuff out and everything's really confused yeah. and overwhelming. And it's like, hey, this is like a really great place to start. And then uh-huh. the episode that we did with Christine has been one of the most popular episodes when I look at, you know, my analytics and I'm like, okay, we need more IFS uh, discussion <laughs> on the podcast. So I'm super happy that, that you're here today. 
Oh, me too. And I love Christine. Yeah, I'm, I'll have to go check out that episode you you both did. She's she's great. Yeah. So just to get into it, just in case you know people aren't familiar with with IFS, could you just kind of give us an overview of of what that is? Sure, sure. My my kind of go to spiel is like, are you the same person that you are at the grocery store that you are at a party, right? And most people will say no. And if they say yes, I say, well, then I'd like to start going grocery shopping with you more. <laughs> <laughs> that normally gives someone the inclination that we can be, we have different parts of ourselves that show up in different settings, right? Um, and so uh, this idea, IFS has this idea that we all have different parts, right? None of them are inherently bad, right? They, they do certain roles for us. They get in certain functions for us, right? Um, but what can end up happening is parts can take on extreme roles within our inner system, and that doesn't normally lead to, to good outcomes, right? And so um, there's this idea that we all have different parts, right? So I may say, like, I have an angry part of me, and I also have a lonely part of me. Those two things feel different, right? And so, um, you can have multiple parts to you. When people, when you say the word parts, sometimes people are like, oh, does this mean I'm crazy? No, like um, there's actually a lot of stigma in that the fact that we're divided. I think people think EID, and there's a lot of stigma around that too. Um, but nothing inherently wrong with you that you have parts, and that's kind of the approach. So, so there's these parts, right? Um, and then real quick, like that there's different types of parts. So just it doesn't really matter when you're kind of the client there's i just call them protective parts but if you want to get technical there's managers and firefighter parts manager parts are the parts of us that try and prevent pain proactively so that might be something like um justin don't wear this shirt because people are going to not like it or you know um you might get made fun of right this part is trying to proactively stop me from wearing this shirt, right? The, the shame from the other people hasn't happened yet, but this part is concerned that it will happen, right? So that, that would be a manager part. Um, a firefighter part is one that comes in um, reactively. And that's how they kind of get their name is if you think of firefighters, they're jumping into the burning building and trying to douse the flames, right? right. The, the building's already burning. Um, so that's kind of how they got their name. And so that's reactive. So maybe an example of a firefighter part could be um, something gets triggered in me and it's too overwhelming. And so then I just start drinking, right? Um, mm -hmm. So part of me that drinks, right? Um, and that would be like a firefighter part. But it doesn't so much matter for, for our sake of like, do we classify what is what? They're just protective parts. They're trying to help calm the whatever's going on and so then what's actually happening like the the parts that have a lot of emotion or uh, belief systems that these parts are trying to protect against are called exiles and they're called that again for a reason because they're kind of pushed down by a lot of these protective parts by a lot of society too right and so these exiled parts often have a lot of feelings, beliefs, overwhelm, right? And they get triggered in the day-to-day -day life. And then that starts the protective parts to, to, to come in, right? And so really quick, like the, the common cycle I'll, I'll give is like, 
if you start to feel really lonely, right, one could say that's an exile, then a firefighter jumps in and you start drinking, right? And then right after that, a critic jumps in and says, you know, why are you drinking so much, Justin? You need to stop drinking. And so, and then that then just leads to me feeling lonelier and the cycle just continues. And so you could look at that as like three different parts, the exile, firefighter, and manager, just all proactively in this cycle. Um, so there's all these different parts, right? And then there's also uh, something that can help these parts, which is is what we call an IFS self, which is just more of you, right? There's this place within all of us that has the ability to help these parts, help heal these exiles that are often driving these protective parts and bring harmony to the inner system. Um, and the good thing is that everybody has a self. Um, it's undamaged. So there's no, you know, it, it just needs, we just need help with some of these protective parts, getting permission to kind of unblend a bit, step back, if you will, so that this can be there. And once this is there, we can kind of help heal the pain that's driving these protective parts. And that's, that's pretty much the gist that, in short, there's a bunch of nuances, but that's kind of the gist between all the different parts and then what we call self. And so, yeah, I hope that was, that was helpful. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for going into that and with such clarity. And, um, you know, I, I know as sort of a, somebody that's interested in this stuff, but is, is definitely a novice, I would say like, um, thinking about the, those differences between the, the managers and the firefighter parts, um, gets a little bit tricky, but it's, it's something I'm learning to navigate within my own experience mm -hmm. as well. You know, um, sure. I had something come up, uh, like last week, um, around my partner that it was just really interesting to, to observe it. And it, it was, it was based around like this feeling of jealousy. And mm -hmm. as soon as I started feeling jealous that I immediately noticed that there was this, like this critic that was saying like, this is not okay to feel this way. Like you're better yeah. than that. You've been meditating yeah. for so long or you do these yeah. practices. Like it's not okay. Like just be better than that. Like get over it, you know? Sure. And when we ended up talking about it, it was actually really challenging to actually share, you know, these thoughts with her. And I had to, mm -hmm. I, the, the only thing that helped was like actually prefacing it by saying, I feel really stupid for saying this. And there's a part sure. of me that really doesn't feel okay with, yeah. with feeling this way, like that I should yeah. be better than that, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but saying that and acknowledging that part and like letting it be there, not, not trying to change it, not being like, I'm just going to beat this out of right. you. Like, I'm just going to, you know, that's what I would do in the past, right? It's just like, be like, nope, I'm going to yeah. be better. And I'm just going to push this down and not talk about it. Yeah. And it's not safe. And nope, nope, nope. But it was like, hey, okay, this is what this part's feeling. This is not me, but a part mm -hmm. of me, part of me feels this way. And yeah. it's really challenging to actually share that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. That kind of goes to like a concept that I work with with a lot of couples, which is just speaking for your parts, right? Instead of from them. So mm -hmm. like if, 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 if the jealousy fully takes over you, it's hard to speak for it because it's like it's fully here. You know, that may come out. I'm not saying just with you, but that may come out as like, yeah. oh, why are you doing so-and-so, you know, 
X, Y, Z, right? And, and then it's hard for your partner to hear you. Um, but it, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because that is most people's experience. It's like, if I can just get into this place where I can speak for what's going on, it's almost like these parts relax a bit, like, ah, like you're acknowledging that I'm here and you're not trying to change me. Um, and that's more of that like self-energy that we talked about. Um, and it normally, you know, then goes better um, for the other person to hear. And if not, at the very least, these parts feel like, okay, like you've got me, right? Even if the other person can't hear it, like you've acknowledged that I'm here. And, you know, that, that normally goes a lot better. But thank you for sharing. That's a great, great, uh, great example. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, um, I personally, like I found so much value in building that relationship with the self. That, that as mm -hmm. you you know referred to it and and being able to resource myself um, or these different parts that are coming up in therapy or in different um, you know medicine experiences um, with that that higher I, I call it the higher self you know because that's mm -hmm. sort of the way that it that I can resource myself with it yeah. um, but being able to um, you know, I think that to me, like that's been a huge difference between like cognitive um, talk therapy and just sort of regular traditional mm -hmm. therapies and somatic therapy and, and IFS is like, it's not just, well, we've got to fix something that's wrong. We've got to talk through it until we figure yeah. out how to get through this. It's like, no, mm -hmm. no, like we, there's actually resources that to help you accept all of yeah. it. And like, mm -hmm. to me, like getting that has been such a game changer of like, no, it's not about like trying to fix something within me. It's like, how right. can I, how can I love all these parts and like actually mm -hmm. realize what their role is? Like what, get curious. So like, what is this, mm -hmm. what is this protector actually trying to keep me safe from? And right. then like getting to a place where I can say, thank you. Like, wow, you helped me get through something that was really, really challenging. And, mm -hmm. and I appreciate you. And just to let you know, we're not in that situation anymore. Yeah. Like you don't have to yeah. be driving the bus, so to speak. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, such absolutely. a, such a paradigm shift, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, it, it really is. And I think that, um, I love what you said about getting curious because that's one of the, I, I didn't mention this, but like there's eight C's for, for the self, um, you know, and don't quiz me if I get them all wrong, but calm, curious, courageous, connectedness, and a bunch of other ones off the top. But curiosity is one of the important foundational pieces where it's like, and I, you know, I love IFS, but if most therapy approaches that I really like have that as a core fundamental component about it, is getting curious about your own internal experience. Um, and IFS isn't the only one to do that, but it's a, I love that, that it's in the framework with that. And, um, you know, and then like to you said, once I can get curious about what role this part is playing for me and actually understand its intent is to help me, even though that's not what's happening, I can have compassion for it. And that then, you know, is received differently from my inner system than me constantly wishing or a part of me wishing that, this wasn't going on or I hate that this is there. Um, so yeah, it's a total paradigm shift. Yeah.
is is my experience of you know kind of or the experience that I have with um, uh, working with somebody that's combining like somatic experiencing with IFS is that is that common or what are other ways that like IFS is kind of explored? You know, I I love that because it's like this is also one of the reasons I I gravitate towards IFS. I don't feel like I'm in a box because IFS like most people that aren't even in IFS can see things from a framework and do combine it with other modalities, right? Yeah. And so I'm not completely familiar with somatic experiencing, but there's like um, Susan McConnell is a great person within the IFS community that combines somatic work with IFS. Um, and yeah. um, I personally have done craniosacral therapy, which is a body-based kind of light massage. And, and um, the person I work with knows is IFS informed, and so we tie that in with it. So I think actually, you know, that is that is a up and coming piece of of IFS. It's like how can we use it with besides just traditional talking? Because yeah. for some people and for some parts, they don't communicate with with words in your head. They communicate with sensations. Yeah. Um, and and IFS has a place for that. And so we can actually work with parts that don't communicate verbally, especially if trauma or stuff is pre-verbal, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, my system shows up a lot like that, where it's not outward words, it's the sense I have. Like, mm -hmm. a, oh, like you know, and so, um, but IFS has a way to work with that. It's, it's not all the time is it, is it talking. There's a talking component to it, but um, that's actually why I loved it, is I didn't feel so boxed in. And it's all about it's all about if I, as the therapist or practitioner, am really curious with my client, understanding that their system might show up differently than everyone else's system. And I have mm -hmm. to display the same curiosity um, that, you know, these parts are actually asking for. And so sometimes it's a trial and error thing, you know, where maybe we try and, and talk with this part, but it, you know, it's not really responding. But I, I may ask, like, okay, like, and how are you reacting to that? Like, do you feel connected with this? Sometimes that's not with words. Um, so to your point about how you can combine somatic experiencing with it, right? Like, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for, you know, getting curious about your own internal system and seeing what, what works. And, 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 and sometimes that's the process. It's kind of like, you know, throwing stuff at a wall and seeing what sticks. Um, I, when I started IFS, I very much tried to do the talking thing and it didn't work. And I collaborated with my therapist on that. And I was like, you know, I'm starting to really get a sense that my parts just, I get a sense of them. Um, and yeah, some people see them, some people hear them, some people just get a sense. It's really different for everybody. Yeah. But I, yeah. I think the, the, just to sum up, what I love about IFS is there's no specific protocol where it's like, oh, if you can't, if you can't hear them, you're doing it wrong. That's not the case. Like everybody, we, we hold the, the place that everyone's system is unique and we just have to work with it maybe a little differently than how we worked with a previous client. Like, you know, mm. so. I love, I love that you said that, you know, you're curious along with the client as well, you know, mm -hmm. that you're, you're there with them exploring these different these different seas right yeah that's that's beautiful right. absolutely 
So one of the other C's that you mentioned is, is, is courageous. And I mm -hmm. think that that's something I'd like to touch on as well, because, you know, courage, I think oftentimes, like, especially people that are starting off trying to, to figure themselves out and transform, um, they're, they, they have like this goal of, or this idea that they're going to get to a place where they're not afraid. Um, right. And that's not what courage is. Courage is feeling the fear and, and being willing to, to sit with it and, and move forward anyway. Right. Um, and I, I was just curious to, you know, kind of talk with you about, you know, you, you know, you're a man, you practice IFS, you know, we're both men and, just the value that, that this modality has for men in this healing space, because yeah. for, for myself, and I think a lot of other men that I've talked to, I think we have these parts that like tell us it's not okay to be vulnerable or to, right. to, to heal, um, to share these things with, with other people. And then we, um, you know, we have to, we have to man up. We have to, you know, yeah. and, and again, just to go back to what we were saying before, those parts of us have roles and they were trying to keep us safe in maybe toxic environments or environments where mm -hmm. it wouldn't necessarily be safe to be vulnerable and seen, but there, right. there's so much value, I think, in, in this work for men. Yes. yes. And how do you, how do you see that? Do you work with a lot of men in your, with your client as clients or? I do work with some men and this is, a, there's another one where it's like, ask me in a year from now. Cause I, mm. I, I see just how needed it is, right? Like for, I've also recognized too with the work that I've done, how how much better I feel, right? Yeah. And so that might be something that I actually start to work more with. Um, you know, and I've had a lot of men reach out to me like, oh, I'm looking for someone to help me through this lens. So we'll see where that takes takes me in my career. But to your point, like courage, it's funny, like of all the qualities of, of of self that we talked about, right? Compassion, calm, right? I, 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 I almost think that courage is kind of our way in with men, because mm -hmm. in a, in a lot of ways, I've noticed, uh, you know, this is I'm not to say like all men, but you you almost kind of can speak when you can kind of speak directly to men, like in a courageous form. They almost can sometimes take that better than yeah than like a a a more compassionate approach and you can be both right in a lot of ways if i speak to you courageously i have a lot of compassion for you because i'm telling it kind of you know straight to you um and respectfully right and so i think too for men um if we can get in this place where we can have courage for ourselves and say the like if us as men can lean into more courage i think that that's that's going to be a good thing. Um, and so it's funny when, when, when guys ask me what I do, um, I almost always try and use sports as an analogy because a lot of men can relate to that. And that's actually how I found IFS was um, I never understood how I could play football one minute and be so competitive. I mean, I, I have a very competitive part of me. Um, and, and a lot of my buddies do too, right? And as soon as I step off that field, right, be a therapist the next minute. And it, it was just such a paradox for me. And then when I found IFS, I was like, oh my goodness, that, that makes so much sense, right? 
And so I will often, when men ask me what I do, if they play sports, I will say, like, are you the same person on the football field that you are at home? Um, and if they are, they, have a, they normally have a lot of issues, just like I did, where they bring that competitiveness in, right? Um, but most people can relate, like, yeah, when I tap into that, I'm just a different person, right? And so yeah. um, the, the, the selling point, I think, for, for men is, what if you had more choice over that, where you could kind of, that's the other thing about IFS is sometimes it's like the healing component is great, but I think also the choice component of being in a relationship with what you feel so you can choose what you'd like to feel by being in a relationship with it is a huge, a huge benefit. And so, um, you know, because I think, I think for some of men's parts, if you try and sell it as you'll get to be more compassionate, right? That rubs up against their, their fears of, oh, like, uh, you know, which a lot of us as men face of like, we can't be vulnerable, we can't be compassionate. So you have to work with whatever protectors are there, right? And, and so, yeah, I, I think this work is um, transformational with, with men. Um, my hope is actually that more men start to embrace it and look at it um, to, not, to not be afraid of their anger, to not, you know, be afraid of um, speaking and saying the hard things. And interestingly enough, um, I, I, I tend to side, I have bigger parts of me that are people pleasing more than like, um, like more than the opposite end of the spectrum, right? I'll, my, my parts are more like that, right? And so as I've, I've leaned into more courage and been in connection with the people pleasing parts of me, I've noticed my relationships, although they may appear more rocky, get better when I can kind of say my truth and what's going on with me. Um, mm, yes. Or, you know, similar to the experience that you talked about where you, there wasn't a real solution, but I'm just telling you where I'm at with these parts, right? Um, and that can be hard for parts of us to, to do that, but the more stuff we have and more we can just speak for what's going on with us, um, I think it's it's transformational. So my hope is, you know, again, we'll see if that's where my career takes me. But yeah, I, I think that this is a, a huge, a huge piece in, in Matt's work. Yeah, there's so much, um, so much juicy stuff in there to kind of unpack, you know, like some of some of what I heard that was like really lit me up was um, the, the again, going back to that curiosity and you said, you know, having more choice, having more freedom, um, and that that's such a common experience of like, when we get triggered to take the IFS piece out of it, but like when we get triggered, we sort of are hijacked by that feeling, you know, if we're talking about IFS by that part sort of takes over, but having the curiosity and the choice to like, well, wait a minute, instead of getting hijacked by this, I'm going to like sit with it and, and look mm -hmm. at it, be curious about it, go within um, you know, within, um, like holotropic breath work, they talk about taking it, taking it internally, taking it vertically rather than this horizontal mm -hmm. projection out onto mm -hmm. the world. Um, right. and then, and then being able to have the freedom from it, like you said, um, yeah. I love your analogy of the sports and what came to mind was like, you know, even like, okay, if, if, if I was to play quarterback, uh, versus being an offensive lineman, 
or a, you know, an assistant coach, would I be behaving the same way? Would I be wearing the same equipment? Would I be, you know, how would I have the same roles? Like, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. So uh, I love, I love that analogy. And then, you know, I, the other thing that, that came up as you were speaking was um, that, 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 that courage is a part of our, um, gee, I don't know how I'd want to put it, maybe like the divine masculine, like our, the true mm-hmm. masculine energy. And it's not, that's not, not to say that, that women don't have that, that aspect of energy within yeah. them because we all have masculine and feminine energy. Um, but I, I love what you said about like appealing to that, that, that divine masculine and, you know, and, and really putting it in that frame of like, you know, it's, it's courageous for you to, to be here and to be seen and to take mm-hmm. a risk and to be doing this work. So sure. I, I really appreciate that you shared that. Thank you. Yes. No, absolutely. You know, I, I've, I've been, I've been so curious too about like, I, that's one way to frame thing, masculine and feminine, right? And if both of us can have whatever you want to call those energies, whether it's masculine or feminine, but I have found that my relationships go so much better when I can weave in and out of both of those energies and be okay with communicating them in a way that feels true to me. Um, and, and then also getting the same from the other person. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing, right? Because I think um, for most of us, if we, if we align with just this one energy and kind of exile the rest of us, it, it shows up in, in our lives. Um, for men, especially if we exile our vulnerability, right? Uh, it, um, I, I was listening to a podcast, but I wrote a poem before I listened to the podcast, but this resonated with me, which is like, you, um, something along the lines of, uh, you can choose to be powerful or vulnerable, but you can't choose both. And, mm. you know, a lot of us men may gravitate, gravitate towards power and feel just as alone, you know. Um, so it, it, it definitely is something that my hope is to get more out to men. Like, hey, this is, the, I know it may not seem like it right now, but like, if you're willing to step into this with, with my help, this actually may feel a little bit better to open up your heart, right? But that's a big ask for these protective parts. And so I don't discount the the courage it takes to even start to do some of that work. So, yeah. Hmm. I think the irony there to me is that, you know, the in terms of choosing power versus vulnerability, that like when we're able to make that choice to be vulnerable, that actually increases our strength and, you know, right. sort of thusly our power. And um, like you were saying earlier, you know, like the, the things that were the, the parts that are afraid to be seen uh, when, when we actually like let them express, when we let them be there, uh, things get easier rather than this internal yeah. friction uh, and, right. and, and fighting, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you had a, a post, I mean, you're, I gotta say like tip of the cap to you on your content. You are a real <laughs> master and, um, <laughs> always really enjoy, um, the, the stuff that you post. There was one thing in particular recently that I was like, oh yeah, this is, 
this is good stuff. And it was about like the value of feeling um, versus the need to think uh, yeah. in, in healing and, and how thinking can actually keep us stuck. And I think we started right. to touch on that earlier, right? About like not needing to necessarily think about something or have that sort of um, recognition or cognition to, to actually heal something. And right. like, for me, that's just like such a juicy topic, you know? Yeah. Like I think in the beginning for, for myself, um, I, I really felt like when, when something challenging would come up, it was like, stop the road, stop the show. We've got to fix this. And yeah. I got to like get through it up here. And the irony yeah. of like a lot of what's happening to us, not even being up here you know, like right. the what's happening in the head is actually keeping us stuck in in some regard. Yeah, yeah. I you know it's it's such a nuanced thing where it's like, you know, some of my reels are like, oh, like you need to feel before you think kind of thing. But really, the way I hold it is like, thinking's not bad, but it just it can't be the whole pie. Like, like the 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 parts of me that are very logical are very helpful, right? And they unfortunately don't have the capacity to heal these exiles, right? Mm. And so they can help me and I can connect them to myself, right? And use them. I, I, I use them all the time. I need logic. Logic is very helpful, right? But most of us, especially us men, have built, like those parts are so engraved in us that they almost feel like it's our identity. Um, and, you know, one of the things that, uh, will ask parts. It's like, what are you afraid would happen if you didn't do the job that you're doing? And mm. so if you if you ask logic that, like, what are you afraid would happen if you didn't think your way through this, right? A lot of times there's like, well, I don't even know. That's all I've ever done is, is think, right? Like, I don't, I don't even know another way, right? And you may ask, and what would that be like for you if you had no idea how this was going to go if you didn't think? And a lot of times there's anxiety there. There's like, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. And then I can actually have a lot of compassion for logic working so hard to try and figure anything out because that's got to be an exhausting job. I have yet to meet a logical part that is doesn't at least at times wish that they can take a break, right? Uh, there are some that will say, no, this is just what I do, which is which is fine too, right? But uh, most of the time, people are seeing me because there's an issue with it, right? If, if all of them felt that way, they wouldn't even be in my office, right? If, if life was doing <laughs> so, so well. <laughs> so, so, you know, um, yeah, I have a lot of compassion for logic, right? And logic won't be able to, to heal a lot of the pain that we have. It can, it, it can be tremendously helpful in making sense of it, Right. And sometimes what I'll do is like if logic comes up while I'm working with a client, I may even ask, like, is it possible that it can give some space and then come in afterwards and help us put this, you know, piece together, right? And and that's that normally goes so well with logic because it's like, oh, you're acknowledging that I'm actually good at doing this, but like right now in this part of the, the session where like I'm not healing the pain, I may need to give you some space, but I can come in later and help you piece this all out, right? And and so that's fine. And that's actually welcome, right? Like self would be okay with that, right? And so mm. I don't think we actually have to exile logic. 
we just have to build a different relationship with it. So I, um, but yeah, some of my reels are like, it's because I really have a big logical part. It's like, gosh, you know, I have another polarized part. It's like, logic, would you, would you give me a break? You know, <laughs> so uh, both, both can be true, but. Yeah, I love that. I love what you said about changing the relationship uh, with, with the different parts. And it's actually, that was something that was kind of cropping up that I wanted to, to bring up as well as we kind of, I want to be cognizant of the time as well. Um, sure. Can you, can you speak a little bit more about that, about like changing your relationship or the, the, the role of the parts? Cause like, for instance, for me, like I had this experience last year where I started to really become aware of how overbearing this inner critic part of me was and like how much mm-hmm. it was um, dictating, you know, different actions and the way that I looked at things. And I sat down with it and I was like, Hey, like I, I want to do something different. And mm-hmm. it's like, I almost gave myself permission for that part to sort of like take a vacation, if you will. Sure. And it was really challenging at certain times mm-hmm. because like right. there was so much identity built around like this is how I do things and this is right. how I react to things and you know like I found that not being so like driven and so like critical of myself w- was really challenging for a while you know and it's yeah. still kind of a balance sometimes of like oh sure. okay we we've changed your job description and you know we're still figuring out how you fit <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, well, that's that's a good point. That's like a, a component of IFS where it's like, I've heard some people say like, yeah, they can work with their critic and ask it for a different job. And sometimes that works. For most people, it doesn't. It's mm-hmm. like telling, because you have to look at it like these parts feel like if I don't do this job, it's going to be life or death for you. And right. so you asking them, hey, you know, can you can you take a different job? If that works, great. <laughs> but for most for most people that it, it doesn't work, right? You actually have to address and and understand why this part is doing what it's doing. So I may, how that would look would be if, and I'm not using you as an example, but let's say I'm working with an, an inner critic and I've built a connection with it. I'm curious about it. I'm open to it. I'm not trying to change it. I may ask a question like, what are you afraid would happen if you didn't, if you didn't beat me up like this, right? And listen for the answer. And it may say, let's just go with the example that you gave, like, well, my identity is built into me doing this, right? Yeah. Then you can ask it, you know, like, are you afraid of losing your job if you didn't do this, right? Which some parts are. They're like, what would I do then, right? Mm-hmm. And in which case you can offer hope of like, um, okay. And you may ask, like, what, you know, what would happen if you lose your job? What would you feel, right? It might lead you towards understanding more, but we can offer the parts like you actually can continue doing what you're doing. Um, you just have more choice in that, right? You would get to choose what you'd want to do. Um, and parts normally can then like, oh, okay. Like, so you're telling me I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have to beat you up because you would have helped with whatever I'm trying to get you to do. For most critics, like them shaming is actually an attempt to help with shame. It's like we feel shame, and then the way to address shame is to shame us so that we don't feel the shame, right? <laughs> yeah. But the in a, in a weird way, it's like these parts are like, oh, I'm actually 
you can handle my shame that I'm giving you, you won't be able to handle the shame that I'm protecting you from, mm. right? Yeah. And so to ask that part, like, well, just trust me, I can do that, like I can handle that shame, is, is a big ask, but once they feel connection from us, then they can soften and we can help with whatever's underneath. I found that, and everybody's different, so I don't want to say like if, the, if it worked for you, then great, but I found that once you address what, what they're concerned about, if they didn't do their job, they're more likely to then be okay with taking a new job. Like, yeah. if, you know, so just, just to, to, to hone in on your point of like why it may be difficult, it's 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 asking you know um a lot to ask a part to not do their job because if you think about it well if if they stop doing their job then all this all this would take over right and they they don't want to do that so um that could be why you know sometimes it can feel hard to just be like hey why don't you just take another job (laughs) Um, so yeah yeah, that's that's been my experience is like that that process was more of really being curious and exploring, well, what are those things that that feel unsafe about doing things a different way or right. letting letting right. that inner critic um, not be so involved in my life. Right. And and right. like you mentioned that and it's I think it's so key to having compassionate for uh, com- compassion for ourselves and these different parts is like to that part, the thing that it's protecting you from is life or death sometimes. Right. And there's, there's right. a real sense of urgency and sense of this is not safe to do something different. Right. And so some of that, some of that has been like, for me has been exploring, okay, like you said, well, what would happen? And what, what do I believe would happen if I wasn't so hard on myself, wasn't so critical, wasn't so driven. And then the second part of that to me is like, t- taking it in these like microscopic doses of like, well, okay, I'm going to take one step in the other direction. I'm going to take like yeah. a healthy, a healthy amount of stress. And I'm just going to like, let the inner critic know like this is okay we're actually safe and even though it's uncomfortable and like uh this doesn't feel right not so mm-hmm. much that my system gets overwhelmed but like okay i can i can handle this a little bit of it and then right. you know a little bit more after i've kind of integrated that and it just right. continues to like to grow and, and 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 i also can through that process continue to see these reasons that that part is there in the first place, like these right. reasons where it's like, oh, okay, you know, this happened when I was a kid and this is the way that it was. Therefore, it didn't feel safe for me to do X, you sure. know? So, Correct. yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, well, Justin, this has been a really great conversation. I really appreciate your time and um, your flexibility you. with your schedule. And um, thanks to everybody that uh, joined the live. Like this has been a like lively audience coming in and, and out. So I, I appreciate that as well. Um, where should people go to learn more about your work and if they want to connect with you? Sure. Yeah, you can just Instagram is probably the, the most the place I put the most content out on. It's you mentioned it before. It's parts of me therapy. Um, my website's on there. So if you want to, you know, reach me. Uh, shoot me an email or or you know reach out that way but um that's the best way to way to find me and 
I really appreciate the time too. I love the love the conversation, you know, and and so thankful too for the work that you're doing, um, bringing people together to talk more about this stuff because it's definitely needed, you know. So, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, I'd love it if you leave a review. Follow me on Instagram at Blue Magic Alchemy if you'd like to learn more about transformation integration, and how to connect through coaching, breathwork, and meditation. Remember that regardless of the methods you're practicing, the vital point is to practice. 